You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we'll get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these episodes, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? On today's episode, Dan Hurd, aka Lieutenant Dan, joins me and we talk a considerable amount about the sensitive topic of suicide. So please be aware, Dan himself has attempted suicide several times and lucky for him and all of us, he found the bicycle and it changed his life for the better. He had only been on a few bike rides when he decided to join a friend for a longer ride. As we all do at times, as the miles ticked away, the complaining started, and Dan's friend came back at Dan with some tough love and a phrase that stuck, one pedal at a time. The bicycle became Dan's new obsession, and he went from just a guy on a bike to a cyclist who spent several years biking the lower 48 states. Yes, all 48 of them. His bicycle journey became a mission to promote suicide awareness and to talk suicide prevention to anyone that would listen. And from that, a nonprofit was born called One Pedal at a Time Movement, or OPAATmovement.com, which focuses on suicide prevention. Most days when he's out riding, he has a huge sign on his bike that reads, Make a Stranger Smile. The bicycle is where he finds his peace, and in this episode, you will learn how he helps others find their peace as well. And again, please be aware this episode talks a lot about the sensitive topic of suicide. Here's my interview with Dan. All right, a very warm welcome to Dan Hurd. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Good, Murph. How are you doing? Good. Uh, just so you know, everybody calls me Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan. Okay, I'm sure there's a story behind that. So, oh, yeah. Uh, do you want to just tell us right now? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, I bicycled the lower 48 states. And when I told people what I was doing on my journey for suicide prevention, um, you know, most people's immediate thoughts were it's like, man, you're like Forrest Gump on a bicycle. I'm like, yeah, I'm Lieutenant <laughs> Dan. Uh, what's even cooler about that nickname is I've got, I got that nickname when I was in the military, uh, in the Navy. I got to meet Gary Sinise, the guy, the guy that plays Lieutenant Dan in the movie. Oh, cool. And, um, when I was clean cut, clean shaven, everybody thought I was his kid. So they called me little LT. <laughs> um, but I wasn't an officer. I was an enlisted personnel. I worked, I worked for a living while I was in, so. But yeah, that's how it all kind of started. I got out of the military and um, it just kind of stuck. I, I didn't like it at first, but yeah. I really embraced it on my bicycle journey. Oh, I love it. Well, you are on this podcast to talk about um, a little bit more about your biking journey and how you got to be there. And uh, of course, I already talked about it in the intro, but um, you know, you're trying to raise awareness for suicide prevention, which is a um, pretty heavy topic. But before we get into um, kind of the nuts and bolts of you, Lieutenant Dan, uh, will you tell the listeners where you live and what the cycling culture is like there? Yeah, so uh, after bicycle in the lower 48 states, I ended up in Colorado. Uh, I live uh, just north of Denver in a town called Thornton, and 
I actually spent a lot of time in Denver and Boulder. Mm. Uh, for people that do know the name Boulder, uh, it's probably because of Doozer. Yeah. And um, he's actually one of my best friends, and we hang out quite often. So I actually hung out with him yesterday for a Sunday ride. Oh, cool. Um, and and for those who don't know Doozer, it's Ryan Van Doozer, and he is a legend when it comes to like bike touring. Um, I'll put the link to the – he's done a couple episodes on this podcast, so I'll put a link in our show notes. Good, yeah. I'm glad. I actually haven't heard his on your podcast, so I'll have to go back and listen to those ones. Yeah. But I just listened to the one that you did recently with uh, Bill and uh, – I forget the other gentleman's name from uh, – Pat. Rum. What is it? Pat. Pat, yes. Uh, I've met Pat once, but uh, it was more so because of Primal. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. I was I was really excited to, to hear familiar faces and to hear that you did that tour recently with my friend Tori as well. Yes. Yeah. The Rum Runner Tour. That's a, I'll put a link to that episode as well. It's awesome. And Bill Plock and Pat Mabin were fabulous hosts for that event. Yeah. I would love to do that one day, but I uh, if I did, I wouldn't be drinking with you guys. So, <laughs> well, you can still have fun and party with us. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been alcohol free for coming up on twelve years, I think. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah, two thousand twelve. Awesome. So, wow. And you you kind of briefly touched on this, but you've ridden your bike in every single state, like of the lower forty eight. I have. I uh, I bicycle the lower forty eight states. From 2018 to 2021, um, it took me three years, seven months, and six days to do the whole thing. Um, seven months and four of those days, I was actually recovering from a severe accident that I was involved yeah. in on my 44th state. Um, but thankfully, I was able to, to recover and fight through the pain and the, the challenges and and get back out there to finish the, the 48 states. Yeah. And I do want to touch on the lower 48 and the bike ride and the accident. But like if you, okay, like there's not very many people I talk to that have actually biked in every single state, which is amazing to me in itself. And you kind of did it consecutively, like all at the same time. Would you, yeah. would you be able to identify maybe a few favorite places that you like to ride or the places oh, yeah. that you want to go back to? Absolutely. I actually am. It's something that I'm excited about this year is, uh, so to name a couple of trails that I did on my journey. So I started in Plymouth, Massachusetts first, mm. um, at, at Plymouth rock. And uh, originally I'm from Massachusetts. I grew up about nine miles away from there. Um, so that was kind of a starting point, but, uh, the first trail that I really fell in love with was the Erie Canal Trail going from Albany to Buffalo. Ah. I thought that was an amazing trail system um, because of the uh, the locks that are at each point to kind of get you higher or lower on the, the canal. And uh, it's free camping at those except for the two, uh, the first and last one, because those are federally owned. But I thought it was amazing to be able to go do those things and uh, experience it there. I also really love the Gap Trail, which I'm really excited about because uh, a couple of people that I met at Ragbri last year are trying to do a Gap to CNO Trail ride in June. Oh, cool. And um, so I'm really trying to get involved with them to get on that ride because I love the Gap Trail so much. I've been thinking about it for the last couple of years and I, I, I would love to go back to do it again. Um, 
with a group. So that, that's something I'm excited about. Yeah, I did um, that. I did that exact um, the gap in CNO a couple, three or four years ago. And uh, it was beautiful, like you said, and like so much history involved in it. Um, but unfortunately for us, a hurricane came through. And so we got flooded out. So we had to miss a few miles of that trail. So I think I need to go yeah. back. I need to go back and, uh, you know, finish what That's I started. That's actually exactly what happened to me. I was there in 2018. Uh, there were some severe hurricanes that year. And uh, there was a lot of detours and mud. And yeah, um, it was just Honestly, I did it like the first hundred miles of the CNO and I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I hopped off and I went through, uh, went through Pennsylvania a different way. Um, and, uh, it worked out for me because I, I got to go experience a few other places that I wanted to do. But, um, yeah, for this upcoming trip, if I get to do it, which I'm, I'm really pushing for it is, uh, to, to finish the CNO trail. And, and, uh, from what I've been told, they've done a lot of maintenance and repairs on it. So there's not as many detours and, so I'm excited to, to relive that. Oh, yeah. And for us, we started in Pittsburgh and ended in Washington, D.C., which in itself was like uh, overwhelming with emotions just to be in Washington, D.C. and see all the monuments and all the, I don't know, the honor, I guess you'd say. Yeah. No, it's, I went to D.C. a different route. I went through the C&L Trail, I believe it was, um, which is north of it. But yeah, okay. it's, it's beautiful up there. It's. Uh, I wouldn't recommend the CNL. It was very cobblestony. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not on a loaded touring bike, at least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess we didn't even mention that. When you do it, when you did it, you were self-contained, right? Yeah, so I did, uh, I had a couple different phases on my journey. Um, I started out with a bicycle with all the bags, like normal people, but my bike weighed over 200 pounds. Mm. It was definitely overloaded. Um it was probably my fourth state. I ended up running into a bunch of Appalachian trail hikers and they went through my gear and they're like, dude, you can get rid of like 30 pounds of stuff by doing this. <laughs> and it was like the, my pill bottles or my, my vitamin bottles, like get rid of the bottle, put them in Ziploc baggies. Like it was just amazing. Just having, like, I had no experience in that. I, I never had done a, that was my first bike packing trip. I never, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, I was winging it and watching YouTube videos to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So, so it uh, that was the kind of first stage, and then um, I got the bike down to where I really wanted it, about 150 pounds for the good amount of my journey until the pandemic started. And then when the pandemic started, I had trouble with uh, communicating with people, obviously because we were kind of isolating, mm -hmm. and um, I, I relied very strongly on um, warm showers and and generosity of people meeting me on the road to give me places to stay and opportunities to speak and um, engage people in my 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 nonprofit and my message for suicide prevention it got to a point where i was actually here in colorado and a guy that i was staying with in fort collins was building a bicycle camper to tow around the the area with his kids and I thought it was so cool, but I, I didn't have the money. So I prayed about it and I was like, if I can get this and this will continue my journey. And literally like four hours after putting it out there in the world and in the energy, uh, somebody reached out to me and was like, Hey, I see you're in Colorado. I got a job for you if you want. Um, and I was like, if you can pay me this much money, I'll come. Wow. And 10 minutes later, they said, we'll be there to pick you up. Oh my gosh. Really? 
Yeah, so I went and worked for 10 days. I I, uh, I worked 12-hour days for 10 days straight, made the money I needed to build my camper, uh, ordered all the stuff I needed, designed it, built it, and nine days after that, I had a fully built camper that I took on the road with me. And just to verify, when you say a camper, you're basically pulling it with human power, like your own bicycle is dragging this camper behind you. Yes. Uh, I didn't have an e-bike. I, I've never rode an e-bike. I purposely don't ride e-bikes. I, I have e-trikes. Yeah, it was a all-me power. Uh, the bike and camper itself fully loaded, weighed about 350 pounds. Oh, my gosh. It was over... With, with me on over 500 so it was it was intense wow. um but i did i believe it was seven of the continental passes through uh, uh wyoming uh, montana idaho with that camper and then um and then i went into utah and arizona with that unfortunately it didn't make it past arizona because i that's where i got rear-ended and uh i lost that i never saw it again actually but it saved my life uh, I, I truly believe that. I believe that it gave me the buffer that I needed for when I got rear-ended by that, uh, by the car that hit me. It gave me the space that I needed to to survive. If I think it, if I was on just the bicycle, I don't know if I would have survived it. Oh wow, wow! And you, when you say you're rear-ended, it was by a driver in a vehicle, right? Yes. Yeah, so I was uh, on a straight desert road on US 163, heading towards Tuba City. Um, from Monument Valley, and um, it was around three three thirty in the afternoon, and I, I don't remember any of the accident. I don't remember forty five minutes before it, but mm. uh, yeah, I got rear-ended. I woke up uh, getting transferred from the ambulance to the helicopter. Oh wow! And to think it, that you know, you said uh, about seven months, and you were back on the bike. That had to have been some super aggressive like uh, therapy, uh, physical therapy? Yes. Uh, so initially when I got hit by that car, um, you know, I, I think they, I know you didn't look at the photos, but anybody that wants to, they're sensitive. They're, they're definitely um, visually uh, there, but you, you can see all the photos on my Instagram and social media. But um, I got pretty beat up and they weren't sure how severe the actual damage was at first. Mm. So when I got to the hospital, doctors were like, we don't know your damage, but based on what we're seeing, you may not walk again. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they said, we'll know more after the first surgery. I got out of surgery. They said, well, you're going to walk again, but it might take up to two years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, and then I w- I'm stubborn. Plus, I was in really, really good shape, thankfully, from being on the bicycle for so long. At that point, I was two years, seven months on the road. So I was in the best shape of my life. So that I'm sure helped with my healing. But um, they told me it was going to take me months and months, months to, to get moving again. It was like third day. They sent somebody in from occupational therapy and uh, physical therapy to teach me how to put my socks on. Mm. And at that point, I, I was bored. Like I just went from doing every day what I wanted, getting on a bicycle, exploring and yeah, meeting to being people and interacting to, to be trapped in a bed that I can't do anything in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I asked one of the nurses, like, can you just put a, can I have a walker like next to my bed that I can stand up on? She's like, we're not really supposed to give you that yet. But I was like, either that or we're going to have other issues. And I, I was already kind of feeling like I was starting to feel mentally unstable again. And 
just wondering like what my purpose was, how, why I survived, Um, which is kind of crazy because leading up to that accident, I was, um, you know, I was getting close to finishing my journey. I, I, I did the lower 48 states for suicide prevention, uh, which started out because of my own suicide attempts. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I attempted suicide three times and I was playing in a fourth when a friend uh, finally got me on a bicycle and changed my life. I was physically and mentally overweight. I was just under 270 pounds at the time. And uh, it was it was a challenge. So you somehow made that connection to use the bicycle to um, n- not get yourself out of it, but to maybe change your focus, your, yeah, me- your mental uh, strength? Yeah, so what ended up happening with that is this this friend got me on a bicycle. It was nothing special at first to me. Um, I was always thinking of suicide, but in the moments on the bike, I was not thinking about it. But as soon as I got off, it would be like right back where I was. But it was our third bicycle ride. I like to share this story a lot is my friend, we decided to go for a long ride. It wasn't plan we uh we were going to go to one place and our friends that were there had already gone to sleep and we weren't ready to stop for the night so we kept riding and we ended up on cape cod mm. and rode like 80 miles oh, on wow. my third bicycle ride on your third ride wow uh it was horrible i was wearing jean shorts on a bike that was way too small for me i'm a for like road bikes i'm like a 54 and i think i was on like a 51 oh. <laughs> so very small bike but it worked at the time. It got me going. We spent the weekend out there and on Sunday we were riding back. Um, and I was totally okay with getting a ride. Two of the other guys that we were with decided to get rides and my buddy Sean, which whose bike I was using and who got me on the bike was like, Nope guys, I told you every pedal out to pedal back. And he's, he was that gung ho about it. And, uh, the military side of me kicked in. I was like, listen, man, I don't know how well I can keep up with you, but I won't, I won't leave you behind. If you can, if you're willing to work with me, like I'll go with you. And he was, so we got on the bikes, we rode, it was probably about halfway back. I started complaining, you know, like somebody that doesn't really like live me in the moment. I was complaining about the miles we had already done. I was like, God, we've already done like 120 miles. We still have (laughs) these 40 something miles left. He got to the point, and we're from Massachusetts. Like, so if you guys know anybody from Massachusetts, uh, one, they got a very good, strong accent, and they they like to use profanity pretty often. <laughs> um, which I, I've, I've learned, I've tried to get away from so much. Um, but pretty much every other word was the f bomb, and it was just like, "Listen, man, it's one pedal at a time. It's left, right, left, right. Shut up and pedal." <laughs> <laughs> That's like some tough love for you. Yes. And it was, it was totally tough love. Uh, but in the moment I was so heated, I was like, this dude just talked to me like I'm a little brat, (laughs) (laughs) uh, that I, I literally didn't even say a word to him the rest of the time. He said afterward, he said, dude, I saw a flames light up in your eyeball. And I knew what I said, change you. And it was that phrase. It's one pedal at a time that I just focused on and I did military cadence in my head. I was, I was just one, two, one, two, three, four, going like that in my mind. Mm-hmm. And it really got me through it. By the time we got to the back to where we were, I, I was so, had so much confidence in myself. I was like, biking is easy. I can do this all day. <laughs> uh, 
he put me in my place really quickly. Don't worry. But <laughs> he, uh, it was whatever reason that, that that phrase really stuck with me. It was the next couple of weeks. I kind of, for whatever reason, I, like that one pedal at a time kept popping in my head, kept doing it. And um, every time I did, I'd be like, hey, man, you want to go for a bike ride? And he'd be like, no, nah, I got to go do this today. And I was like, well, can I use your bike? He's like, nope, you can't use my bike unless I'm using mine. So I ended up going to get my own bike because I, I was I was at this point addicted to cycling, I would say. Um, I have a very addictive personality. Um, I haven't drank alcohol in a long time. I, I don't do drugs at all. So, But it's like, for me, that phrase wasn't much different than like when I went to AA or NA and it was like one day at a time for whatever reason, didn't really resonate with me, but this did. And so it made it so I lived in the moment. I, I became, into, I got so much into cycling that it was like my everyday thing at, at that point. Even if it was snowing outside in New England, I ended up buying rollers so I could do it inside. Wow. Just so I could pedal. What, um, a, what a transformation from that first ride to you know, the tough love of one pedal at a time. And now you're a hardcore cyclist. Yeah. And even then, even then I wouldn't, I, it wasn't until about two years into my journey. I was in, I believe it was Wisconsin that I, I, I just said, I'm a guy on a bike. I'm not, I am, I'm not even a cyclist. I'm just a guy on a bike. <laughs> uh, and, and it was at that point that I changed it because I, I was at, um, I, I believe it was, Fountain, Wisconsin. I got to double check that, but uh, I was in a town where I just happened to be at this bike shop that was doing a uh, a ride called Five Monuments. And it was it was like an unofficial race, but um, they go and climb five hills that are above twenty percent grade at some point on the hill. Oh, geez, <laughs> which is wow, very challenging. But, uh, so they, they loaned me a bike. They gave me a really nice carbon fiber. I think it was specialized, but, uh, it was like feathers compared to my loaded touring bike. So I was very fast. <laughs> I, I hit 57 miles an hour on that bicycle, Whew. uh, going down the hills and I was the fastest guy on the track and I wasn't even in first. <laughs> um, so after the ride, they were like, man, you're not you're not a guy on the bike anymore. You're a cyclist. Yeah. Like, you're a badass. Yeah. And so that, that was really a special moment for me because up to that point, like I said, I, I was just a guy, I was just a guy that happened to get on a bicycle that found for me, Zen, it's my Zen activity. It's, it's where I find the most peace. Um, so that's how it kind of started. And wow. then, and, and when yeah. you're, so like when you were doing the lower 48, um, I'm assuming that, you know, along with just wanting to bike in every state, you were pretty focused on um, the raising awareness of suicide prevention, I assume, during that trip too, right? Yes. Uh, it, it grew as I, as I continued the journey. Um, so when I first started the journey, I was actually really scared to talk about suicide and my, and my struggles with it. Um, so I actually, like, if you go back to when I first started my journey, I picked four organizations to support on my journey. Mm. One of them was Bikes Not Bombs out of Boston, uh, Clean Water, which is a great organization, and uh, TOLA, which is a right love on our arms for suicide. It's more related to drug addiction and suicide. Uh, 
the it used to be in June. I think it's in September now. But the the kids' uh, cancer one that they have, I forget the name of it off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. uh, so I did all four of those, and uh, I had a guy in Boston on my journey. Uh, I, I actually I value this person. I don't know who he is, but I really really valued uh, our interaction. Even though at the moment I hated him. Uh, and it really was because you know when a a five-year-old kid the the whys when they're when when a a kid's five years old they they keep asking yeah yeah. why 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 well this guy was like so why are you riding the country i'm like oh you know this and that blah blah blah. i'm doing it for all these causes he goes that's cool cool but why are you doing it i was like oh you know i i know people that have struggled with these things and this and that, blah, blah. It was like 30 minutes later, he goes, cool, why? <laughs> to the point where I, I literally lost it. I was like, listen, man, it's because I tried to kill myself, and this is the only thing that I got living for now. And he goes, so you're doing it for suicide prevention or suicide awareness? And uh, I was like, yeah. He goes, you should share that story more often. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so I did. I, I, I um, It was a few months later. I was in New Hampshire. I was – I was holding myself accountable so much that I, I bought, I had business cards that I, if somebody like I, if I drove by people or went by somebody, I would wave at them. And if they acknowledged me, I'd go up to them. Hey guys, this is what I'm doing. I'm bicycle the lower 48 states for suicide prevention. You should check me out. Also hold me accountable. So I don't quit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was in New Hampshire. I had just crossed over a ravine bridge and this woman was walking down the road in the opposite direction towards that bridge. And uh, I said, have a great day. She acknowledged me. So I turned around. I said, Hey, here's my car. You should check me out. I'm riding for suicide prevention. Did my whole two minute like elevator spiel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, well, I got to get going. I am on a deadline. I got to get to my destination. Uh, it was so early in my journey that like for anybody that does a tour, you're like, I have to make it to this point. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise I'm a failure today. And I was kind of behind that day. And so uh, it was literally a two minute conversation with this woman. I didn't take anything serious about it, but it was four days later, she reached out to me through an email saying that she wanted to thank me because she was walking to that bridge to commit suicide. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Wow. Um, That gives me the goosebumps. Yeah. I got goosebumps right now. I get emotional every time I share it. So I, uh, indirectly thought she was messing with me. I was like, this is crazy. What's the chances of that happening? Like, this lady's pulling my leg, <laughs> uh, which at the time was probably just the initial thought, but uh, I'm really grateful that she reached out at the time. But I was so new into it that I, I was like, there's no way that I did that. There's no way. What's the chances that that's how it worked out? Right. Um, so I, I deleted the email uh, and moved on. Uh. Um, well, those those coincidences kept happening. <laughs> and uh was very fortunate I've done over 100 suicide interventions on my bicycle journey. Really? Yeah. Um I think it was 21 of them were it was 20 or 22 or 21 or 22. I got to double check that, but we're actually in person crossing paths with them going to go do the act. You were somehow you were meant to be in each of those places. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. The most intense one for me was uh, my fifth one, and that was in New York's uh, New York State. I was just outside of Buffalo, heading towards like uh, Erie, Pennsylvania area, 
and I had a guy pull a gun on me in South Buffalo, New York. And, um, thankfully a cop pulled on the street as it happened and the dude ran away and I didn't get shot. Uh, but I found out there was a lot of gang initiation murders happening mm. in that area at the time. And so I think that I was on the verge of being that, um, this cop didn't acknowledge me. It was like, he wasn't really there, but his presence was enough. <laughs> and, uh, my adrenaline was so high. I ended up pedaling so hard. I called my friend, Sean. I was like, guy just pulled the gun on me if you don't hear from me in 30 minutes they caught me oh gosh uh like like totally paranoid but i was pedaling so hard my adrenaline was so high i ended up catching up to this guy probably like 10 15 miles down the road he was on a bicycle with a rope around his chest and um i was like hey man beautiful day for a bike ride i wasn't trying to bring anybody down with what i just dealt with and, yeah yeah uh uh, I was just trying to, I didn't even have the sign at this point, the, the make a stranger smile sign that I have on my bike didn't even exist yet. And then, uh, this, this gentleman says, yep, it's a beautiful day to hang myself on Lake Erie. And, uh, so I ended up going with him. Uh, I spent like an hour and a half of time with this, this guy as he prepared his, uh, escape. And, uh, it was about an hour and 20 minutes of talking to him and trying to convince him not to do this. And like, I'm getting to the point where like, I don't know what else I can do to this guy. Like to, to not watch him kill himself right. or, or prevent him from doing it at this point. I subconsciously prayed. I, I wasn't a believer of religion. I wasn't a, uh, I wasn't the type of person that would pray or anything like that. But I was like, man, I don't know what else to say to this guy anymore. I just wish, I wish I could help him. And uh, oof, I'm getting emotional. Sorry. Um, and whatever reason, something came out of my mouth saying, Hey man, God's got a plan for all of us. And, uh, he, he, he our expirations are already set. So don't rush it. Like enjoy the moment you have now. Oh, wow. Pretty much the summary of what I said. Yeah. And he looks at me and he goes, man, you're right. Uh, I, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I just referenced God and I'm right. <laughs> to me, that was insane. Oh, so, this, uh, the whole story is insane. <laughs> Yeah, it's so – I get emotional every time I share it. But he, uh, we ended up getting him help. We, Where we were, we didn't have service, so we had to go back to the, the road. And uh, we found out we were about four miles from a behavioral mental health clinic area. Mm. Um, so we rode together to the clinic. I had him going on his own. I told him I was going to stay outside until he gave me the thumbs up or a nurse told me that he was all set. And I sat outside for a little over an hour before him and the nurse came to the window and gave me the thumbs up and – I went on my way, continued. I found a place on the side of the road. I cried for like an hour. I was, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just released everything that I was holding in with him. And uh, two days later, I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. <laughs> wow. That is uh, beyond amazing. Like, yeah. You know, your so, life was spared. And then the reason was so that you could save somebody else. Like, wow. Yeah, so I'm very fortunate uh, for even the crazy stuff that happened, like having a guy pull a gun on me, because I don't think I would have had the adrenaline to catch that guy mm-hmm. if that didn't happen. So everything happens for a reason. I've learned that. Nothing's coincidence. And uh, that was the fifth intervention that I had done. Um, and since then, I've been very fortunate to 
do speeches and connect with people and and same thing connect with people just in the moment whether passing by or yeah. being on the news or somebody saw me on social media and said hey i have a friend that i'm really concerned about i don't know how severe they are can you help me and i reach out to them like man uh that's really weird that they asked you to help me like i'm literally about to pop all these pills oh, wow. <laughs> so like just the timing it was a lot of them were amazing and unfortunately there were people that i wasn't able to uh, to help mm-hmm. um or people that i helped in one uh intervention that were able to, to make it through their struggles and uh unfortunately i've lost over 40 people that i've known whether the military or people i've served with or people from hometowns or just people i've interacted with that have committed suicide at this point in my life mm. So I'm thankful for the people I can help, but uh, I, I uh, at one point I had to remind myself I can't help everybody and I can't um, be there for everybody all the time. So right. I can get them if I can help them in the moment to get through that that struggle. That I did my job, and I think that's a lot of us as people we we struggle with that because uh, we want to help our friends and our, we want to help our family that are struggling, but we're not qualified. We think and we're not. We're, we don't have the time to to be full fully invested type for them to be healed and really it's just getting them through the moment getting them to the right person and getting um you know being willing to listen judgment free you know the hardest thing is for all of us we want to human beings we want to fix things i think that's natural mm-hmm. for us and uh we, when it's something like this you don't have to fix it you just have to be there listen and a lot of times the person excuse me the person that's struggling will actually figure out how to process it and deal with it without even yeah. you saying anything. Well, clearly um, you're so, you're making a difference, you know, whether it's uh, for yourself or for other people. Like it's, I don't know, it kind of makes me speechless because it's just so uh, amazing. It, it, it's, it's been a very spiritual awakening for me and a, and yeah. a life awakening. So I, um, whether you're spiritual, religious or not, I think it's important to find faith. I think that's, if I had to put a word to what we all struggle with when it comes to thoughts of suicide, it's faith. Mm. Uh, whether it's a faith in ourselves, our faith in our community, faith in a higher power. Um, if you don't have faith in in any of those or in some of those, then yeah, it's, it's difficult to, to want to see what the purpose of this life is for so right uh, right you have to have faith that you're here for a reason you were born for a reason you're still here for a reason whether you know it or not and um for me that sign that we mentioned the make a stranger smile sign is my purpose i tell people like it sounds really simple of a purpose but my goal in life is to make people smile well, and I, I want to actually, that's my next question for you. But I first want to just acknowledge, like, thank you for sharing. I mean, those were some heavy stories. And I appreciate you uh, just telling all of the listeners, you know, those are like some pretty important moments in your life and also the people that you interacted with. Yeah. But to turn it lighter. Okay. So you have this sign on your bike and I'm guessing the majority of people that read it and acknowledge it probably don't ever interact with you, but I know that they, they have feelings. So tell the listeners what this sign is. 
A quick interruption to tell you this week's episode is sponsored by the Buffalo Lodge Bicycle Resort. Located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, this is the outdoor enthusiast, ideal place to stay for fun and relaxation. The lodge is nestled at the base of Pikes Peak and just a half mile from Garden of the Gods Park. Learn more at BicycleResort.com. Now back to the show. Yeah, so this sign is a really special sign. It's called the on the front of it. It says "Make a Stranger Smile" on the top. It's got a smiley face in the middle, and it says "Be the Change" right below that. It's got some other stuff on it for mine um, that I've re- remastered them. But the original sign was actually from an organization called the PMA Bike Rides out mm. of uh, Philly. And uh, Joe out of Philly, he does this PMA Positive Mental Attitude rides. Uh, where he takes pizza and he goes to different areas of the city and uh, depending on the month, time of month and gives pizza slices away to people, whether you're homeless, whether you're low income, or you just want a piece of slice of pizza. It doesn't have to have a reason. Um, and he's been doing that since before I met him in 2018. And he still does that to this day. So he's, he's very uh, committed to his cause. He's even so committed that I, I believe it's every hundred pizzas, maybe it's every thousand, uh, he gets a tattoo of a pizza. Oh. <laughs> so he's got like seven or eight tattoos yeah. right now, I think. That's awesome. So it might be a thousand pizzas because I feel like that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a lot of tattoos of pizza. <laughs> yeah. So he's got different, sli- like, uh, a, like a, you know, the pizza slice with the cheese dripping off of it on one spot. But um, it's, that sign was actually his inspiration. He designed it. And I I was happened to be in Philly on a weekend where they were doing that event, one of those events. So I joined them and got to get to know him and get to know some of the people he was hosted by. It was just really amazing. And so when it was time for me to go, I was like, is there any way I can get one of your signs? And so they gave me one. And uh, uh, it's been with me ever since to the point where anytime I recreate it for any of my bikes, um, in the bottom, it always says inspired by the PMA bike rides. So. Oh, that's awesome. So and, I always give them credit. Um, okay, so I love the sign. But then um, something else that you've done throughout all of this bike journey is you founded a nonprofit. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, so in 2019, in the middle of uh, the first year of my journey, I was in Mobile, Alabama with a family that hosted me which was supposed to be for two days and it ended up being five weeks for the first oh. time. I <laughs> wow. They were so inspired by what I was doing. Uh, David is a good friend of mine now. We're really close and he's, uh, he's part of my nonprofit. Uh, and he's actually the reason why it started. He, he, he paid for it. Um, he was so inspired by my journey that he ended up buying a bicycle and joining me for three days from Mobile, Alabama to New Orleans, oh. which he hadn't rode a bike in 20 years at that point. <laughs> um, so it, it was, uh, it was really impactful for him as well. And so, yeah, we started this organization. It's called the one pedal at a time movement for short. We call it OPAT, O-P-A-A-T mm-hmm. movement. And um, it, it's really about just encouraging people to get out there, whether you're already a cyclist or not um, to help people uh, and, and to, to realize how much, the cycling can be beneficial for yourself and for others, whether, uh, you know, something else I do is the tricks, which we will talk about after this, but, um, 
I am an attention seeker. I want people to see me. So they see my sign. So they see my message. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times doing the crazy things I do, uh, whether it was riding with a bike and camper or just going around waving at people, dancing on my bike or standing on top of it, you know, it, it inspires people. Like I've had people come up to me and say, man, I was really depressed. Uh, I've been really depressed lately and I just didn't see any hope in this world left. And just seeing you stand on top of that bicycle just gave me so much hope. Like <laughs> anything's possible again. Yeah. <laughs> seeing, seeing you uh, at your peak of having fun and all that good stuff. Yeah. What? So just me being, just me being me is yeah. uh, inspiring others. And that's, I think that's the best goal I can have. Oh, yeah. And what's the website of your nonprofit? Uh, it's opaatmovement.com, um, which is for the nonprofit itself. And then for people to check me out, they can check out ridewithdanusa.com, which is where I post all my journeys. And uh, I do – my Ride with Dan's more of like the, the spokesperson for OPAT. So okay. a lot of stuff goes through Ride with Dan just because I have uh, way more – uh, followers and, and subscribers through that than I do through the organization. So Okay, so if you're um, perusing through your social media accounts, um, yes, you can see your um, the graphic pictures of when you were hit by a car, which I'm so thankful that you are that you lived through it and you're here today to do all the things you do. But uh, that was a long segue into into bringing up this next topic, but you also have lots and lots of videos and photos of you. I'm going to call it bike surfing. I don't know if that's really what it's called, yes. but it's mind blowing to me. So A, yeah. tell the listeners what bike surfing is and then B, why? Well, uh, bike surfing is when you stand on top of your bicycle. It could be two different. I have two different uh, mounting points. Uh, one is on the top tube, so I use my seat uh, as a safety point, and I put my other foot on my handlebars. Um, I tell everybody that's my crowd surfing uh, surf, <laughs> where I have full I have full control. I very rarely crash doing it that way, uh, since, in my opinion, almost perfecting this trick. Um, and that's the ones I can do at Ragbri and um, in like in the middle of crowds. I I don't have any issues doing it around people so the bike is on that side so the bike's actually moving so you pedal and then you stand up on top of it and the bike keeps moving right yeah and then i and then i'm i I stand on top of it and it's called surfing because if if anybody's ever gone surfing you control it with your front foot yeah right back foot's kind of just there kind of like dragging everything uh it's same thing so i use my front foot that's on the handlebars to steer and i use my back foot to kind of keep the balance and the momentum where I need to, to turn or go because yeah. I can do circles and everything on it. But what really inspired that is I was here in Denver. I, I never saw that before. I, I rode my bikes with no hands before this, like even on tour, uh, my longest distance was 12 miles, no handed. Oh, wow. Fully, fully, fully loaded. <laughs> so like I, I already had pretty good balance from doing the rollers uh, training for this and just being on the bike for so long. But I saw a guy here. I ride in Denver with a, a group called 303 Streets. They're they're a bunch of wheelie guys. I, I call them wheelie kids, but really they're we're, we're not kids, but we're acting like kids. <laughs> um, but uh, I was do I was I wanted to learn wheelies. I wanted to kind of you know just I, I love cycling so much. I, I don't want to be in one group of cycling. I want to be able to do all the cycling. 
Um, and so I was riding with them and I saw this guy stand on top of his bicycle and I was like, whoa, how is he doing that? So after the ride, I was like, hey man, how'd you do that? He goes, man, you just stand up. <laughs> so I literally would try and practice for a week. I would stand against the wall and just find my center point with my feet. Yeah. But I could never just stand up. So the next bike ride I saw him at, I was like, hey man, like I've been practicing. I just I'm really struggling to figure out how you transition from having your feet on the bars and your hands there to just standing up. He goes, That's it, just stand up. Hmm. He he literally just said it like that. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it right now. Like on my bike, I did a, a loop around the uh, park that we were at. And I, I said, I'm just going to stand up. And I stood up and I was doing it. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't crash before I learned how to do it. I had done it for a few weeks before I crashed. And I crashed because I got cocky. Oh. Um, I decided I thought I could touch the top of the bridge going underneath it. And I was about an inch away. So I was like, I think I could stand on my tippy toes <laughs> while standing on top of the bike. <laughs> while it's moving. <laughs> while it's moving. And uh, I quickly learned that was not true. <laughs> but uh, that was in 2000. That was about three weeks before my first RAGBRAI. So the 49th anniversary was my first time doing RAGBRAI. I got invited because of uh, people that saw me ride through Iowa uh, on my journey and I already knew what RAGBRAI was, but I just, I didn't think I could get there and do it at the time. So uh, I got hosted. Someone uh, got me to go to do it and join the team. I was so excited to share it. Um, I met Ryan Van Duzer at that ride. We knew each other on social media at that point, but we met in person and he filmed me doing that surf uh, the first year. And uh, He's like, man, you should do this all the time. Nobody else does this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you should come to Boulder and do it there. <laughs> so now I'm the Boulder guy that does it, and I'm the only guy at Ragbri uh, from anybody that I've talked to. And hopefully, I'm not the first one to ever do it, but um, or the last. But I've talked to guys that have been doing Ragbri for 40, 50, almost 50 years, and they've never seen anybody what I do. Yeah. I'm I'm also included in that. I've never seen it beyond uh, just what I've seen on your social media. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's uh it's something that I love to do. I, at this point, I do it. I don't. I love doing it for myself because I think it, it helps keep me uh, feeling young. It keeps me feeling active, and um, I've been very fortunate that I've only crashed about eighty times <laughs> doing that trick. I've done it over 8,000 times. Oh, okay. I was like, 80 times is a lot, but all right, all right. You're when you right. do when 8,000 times is like, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And I'm, uh, I can do it to a point where I can almost do it to a stop. Wow. So I can almost balance it to where I can, like, if I roll up to a wall, I can stop and just grab, touch the wall. Well, are so, you going to uh, take bike surfing? Like, do you have any adventures on the horizon that will maybe include a bike surf or two? Oh yeah. So I actually, uh, I just actually this past week, I just got back from New Mexico. I did a small bike loop. Um, I would say bike packing, but I, I stayed at hotels cause it was cold and snowy, <laughs> but I, uh, I did ride my bike around Santa Fe to Ojo Caliente to Taos and back. And, Ooh. um, that was last week, but that was in preparation for a trip that I'm going on in California. I'm doing a trip that 
is a new one. It's not, it's not even an existing trail yet, but me and a friend of mine are going to ride an aqueduct from like Independence, California ish area to central LA. Mm. And, um, we're going to try to pioneer this route so that we're going to document it. We're going to, uh, try to talk to California about making it a, uh, sanctioned cycling route because it's about 450 miles of a, of essentially trail that they already have that wow. there's not set up. For. Yeah. So we're going to climb nine fences and, and, and ride this thing, but, uh, and hopefully we won't get in trouble. I was going to say, uh, please don't get arrested. I don't want to, I don't want to have to <laughs> podcast about that. <laughs> uh, well, if it is, it's, it's for pioneering for the future of all cyclists. So it, okay. it'll be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're doing it. Uh, I'm doing it on a brand new bicycle. That's kind of why I did the New Mexico trip is, uh, I have a priority 600, which is what was designed by Ryan Van Duzer from mm-hmm. priority bikes. And, uh, so I, I do a lot of work with priority. I have, I love their bikes. I got a bunch of them now. And um, so this is a new one for me. And I just had a whole new bike packing set up. Before this, I was always panniers and, and just not really set up for like Continental Divide or bike packing style. So that's kind of what I'm transitioning to now. I uh, I love being out there in the world, but uh, this New Mexico trip reminded me that I don't want to be on roads anymore after yeah. the traumas that I've dealt with. Right. So, um, so yeah, the goal is to, unless I'm on a group bike ride, like Ragbri or, um, rides of Rockies or something to that effect, I don't want to be on roads anymore. My goal is to be bikepacking trails. If I have to do dirt gravel, I'd love to do that, but I don't want to be on us roadways anymore. <laughs> well, and when you're off the grid kind of like that, I mean, there's so much to see that, uh, well, and if you if you nail this California trip, I mean, it will be new territory that the rest of us can enjoy in the future. So uh, thank exactly. you for, for going off-road. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, so my friend Trent Seeger, which uh, if you ever get time, you should put him on your list to talk to. He's uh, he's a great guy, a mm. great filmmaker, and, and uh, he's growing more and more into cycling himself as well. Um, since we, he did a documentary on me, um, my bicycle camper the day before i got hit oh wow yeah did the documentary end up going public it did it's uh it's actually uh it's it explains my bicycle camper tour and i did it it's crazy i think it was my i think it was my 89th or 90th intervention while he was literally interviewing me somebody walked up to me was like what are you guys doing and i ended up doing a suicide intervention right there on the spot oh jeez. Wow. Um, and then the next morning, I or the next afternoon, I was in, a, in a helicopter. Wow. Yeah. So um, so me and Trent, uh, we met right before that, and we've kept in touch. We've, we've become pretty good friends now to this point. Um, and so we're, we're really excited to do this, and we're both going to be riding priority bicycles. So it's going to be pioneer. It's going to be showing off their priority bikes, two different bikes, and it's going to be showing this route that is – new to the world but in reality if california just took nine fences out of the way and painted a, a dotted line down the middle they would have a bike path mm. well i hope so, that i hope you have success because i want to um have you back on a podcast to talk about a new trail that exists yeah i yeah. hope it, i hope it comes to fruition and uh 
and yeah, it, it, it will. It's just going to take time. You know how California is. They're slow at everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we uh, close out, will you tell the listeners one more time your social media and your website information? Yeah, so if they want to check me out uh, personally, uh, I'm Ride with Dan USA on Instagram and Facebook and .com. Um, that's where I – and YouTube actually as well. So uh, those are my big things for my personal stuff. And then the nonprofit, the One Pedal at a Time movement is OPAT, O-P-A-A-T-M for Instagram and Facebook. And then the website's opatmovement.com. Excellent. Well, Dan, thank you so much for like sharing these stories and um, being vulnerable and just, I, I really appreciate the, the fact that you took the time to talk to me um, and to get to know you. I really appreciate it as well, Murph. And then before we get going, I just want to mention one thing about my nonprofit. So something that our nonprofit is really about is suicide prevention awareness. Mm-hmm. And it's more about educating the community. So there's an online training course that we provide or, or people can take um, on opatmovement.com. It's uh, called Start. And it's an online course that really takes a couple hours um, to do but it teaches you like the, the four different scenarios of how to talk to somebody that may be in crisis, whether it's, you know, the three hardest questions for us to ask is, are you thinking of suicide? Are you thinking of harming yourself or others? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of people are afraid to ask those questions because they're afraid to trigger that and or uh, speed up the process, uh, which isn't the case. So ask the questions, get out there, encourage even if they're not suicidal, like, hey man, are you are you are you good? Are you thinking about suicide or any of that? Mm-hmm. If they're not, you, you just made this person feel so worthy that you're even concerned for them that way. And if they are, they're like, man, thank you for calling me out. Yeah, yeah, I am struggling. And if and if they aren't saying that, you can most of the time you'll know because they'll be like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, right. how do you know? Or, right. No, nah, no, nah, man, I'm good. I'm good. I swear. Like everything's fine. I'm just. With this course, you can have that education and, uh, and the practice to really be involved in your community. Um, so that's called START, and that you can get to that through start.opatmovement.com. Uh, and then the last thing I want to mention is, uh, you know, cyclists we're not we're not we're not prone to not being uh, mentally unstable at times. You know, I think cycling helps a lot of us to get through mm-hmm. a lot of that we're still human and we still have time to struggle there's offered there's a plenty of resources out there in the world to get help uh biggest one that's the newest is the 988 number which is the crisis hotline it's not just for suicide so if you're ever in crisis you can reach out to that number mm. um and then if you go to my website again we've compiled a list of uh resources through apps and websites and LGBTQ, senior citizens, uh, youth, you name it. If we, if, if this, if it's out there and people have shared it with us and we found it, we share it. The start and there's help page is the real focus for our organization right now. And, mm-hmm. um, and then in the future, our goal is to actually transition to working with kids since suicide for 14 to 24 is so high in our country. Um, so we're really kind of taking strides to get towards the youth so we can educate high school students, which will be the future generation to educate our parents mm-hmm. and our children, children. So 
Um, and they're more willing to learn than adults I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will for sure put the links in the show notes, um, especially to that training, because I do think that would be effective for everyone to at least be aware that it exists and to take the couple hours to go through it. Um, Dan, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And um, I hope our paths cross in real life. And uh, I promise you, I will never be a bike surfer, but I'll be happy to film you bike surfing. Well, hopefully we'll see each other. Are you doing Ragbri this year? Yes, of course. Yep. I pass out bracelets on my journey, uh, on Ragbri, give out blue and purple bracelets to people. Oh, cool. Okay. For suicide prevention. And yeah. I bring 2,500 of those and pass out all 2,500 every year. So. Wow. Um, but those weigh like 40 pounds when they're full. <laughs> and I don't want to carry that on my bike. Right. <laughs> so, so I'm on a team just for that reason. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for this week. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and my website for daily entertainment. I have more episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Morphology Podcast listener. Listener.